0: Tobes. Kath. Should we tell them what's happened? I think we should. You and I have decided to go back into the closet.
1: Yes, we are, in fact, in the closet.
0: But not just any closet,
1: though. No. We are in... My closet at my house in Los Angeles, California.
0: Yeah, nice place. Thank
1: you, thank you. This is where I moved in July. Uh, I have set up a little home studio. It's where I record all of my stuff for Nancy. Yeah,
0: there's like some soundproof foam on the walls. There's like clothes hanging behind us. There's a little desk and a microphone. And even, I would have to say, a very stylish lamp. Oh, thank you. You're stylish.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, I have to say also, if this closet we're sitting in were on the market in New York, it would be advertised as a spacious three-bedroom with a dine-in kitchen.
0: (laughs) Totally. Okay, so let's tell the people why we're in here.
1: Right. So, Nancy listeners, you may have noticed we've been gone for just a little bit. A little bit. Just a little. Uh, And that is because we wanted to take some time to try something different for next season. You know, we want to do more deeply reported stories. Mm-hmm. We want to take some adventures to interesting places like wrestling rings and kid drag shows. Yep, yep. Uh, you may even be hearing a little bit of audio fiction from us in the future.
0: It's all very exciting. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, we wanted to stop in and say happy holidays and happy new year and also give you some exciting gifts.
1: Yes, very exciting. So today's gift is like one of those big popcorn
0: tins. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the kind that nobody ever finishes. Yeah,
1: exactly. But they have all those different compartments. Like there's one with caramel corn. Uh uh There's one with like the blue popcorn.
0: What flavor is that?
1: Nobody knows. Okay. There's like maybe cheese puffs happening in another compartment. Okay,
0: yes, I fully know this thing. Mm -hmm. We never finish it. Right. But the point is, this gift has a bunch of different exciting parts. And we're going to kick it off by playing one of our favorite games. (laughs) It is
1: called... Is it canon?
0: This is our favorite game to play where we debate what should or shouldn't make it into the queer canon. You know, the collection of people, pop culture, and literature that are considered essential to the queer experience.
1: Except when we play, we only debate incredibly stupid things. Yes, yes. Uh, Side note, please do not take us seriously. But
0: like maybe sometimes take us a little seriously. No, don't do that. Okay, fine. So this round of Is It Canon comes from our live show that we taped in June at Dynasty Typewriter here in Los Angeles. And it was put on by the lovely, lovely folks at KPCC.
1: And we started our spirited debate with the pinkest of Pokemon, Jigglypuff.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, go Tobin.
1: Uh, okay. Pros for Jigglypuff making into the queer canon. First of all, look at her. (laughs) Okay? A pink curl of hair. She's an aspiring singer. I mean, come on. She's also a Britney Spears-style breathless singer. (laughs) Like, Jigglypuff. Um... She is extra and self assured in her extraness. We love that. Um, maybe my strongest argument she is literally a fairy type Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, I did a light Google search before this. And on her page, it says, Its vocal range exceeds 12 octaves, but its skill depends on the individual. Its song varies by region, and in some areas, it sounds like shouting. Uh, what gay person at karaoke does that not describe? Okay. These are my
0: points. Okay. All right. All right. Here's some cons. Cons coming at you. Jiggly Puff is queer baiting us. She's she is as queer as the Bank of America float at Pride. Said it. I've said it. I've said it. All right, Jigglypuff is basically that person, like, you think for sure is queer. You spend all your time with them. They're giving you all the signals. And then, like, when push comes to shove, they're just talking to you about, like, their straight romantic woes. And you're like, why did I waste all this time? I think I've wasted years of my life.
1: On Jigglypuffs. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, fair enough.
0: Yeah. All right, so... so Yeah.
1: That's the argument. Uh, We're going to do an applause meter. If you think it should make it in, applause. Okay. And if you think Jigglypuff should not make it in, applause.
0: I cannot tell.
1: I think you won that one. Did I? I don't think Jigglypuff makes it in. All right. Cool. All right. Next. Better luck next time, Jigglypuff. Um. Okay. It only gets weirder from here. Our next debate item is LaCroix.
0: (laughs) Maybe explain what that is in case. Oh, yeah.
1: LaCroix is the bubbly water that uh, you for sure have seen your friend drink if they're incredibly cool. (laughs) Um, Okay. Arguments for why LaCroix should make it in. Uh, I literally wrote, I'm pretty gay and I drink this more than water. (laughs) There will be days where I'm like, why do I have a raging migraine? And then I'll drink actual water, and I'll be like, oh, right, hydration. (laughs) Um, Oh, God. (laughs) I also wrote, LaCroix isn't here for your heteronormative full-flavored sodas. (laughs) It prefers to be the flavor of a memory. (laughs) Uh, An afterthought, a whisper. Also... Like many gay men, specifically, LaCroix was born in Minnesota, then became a thing in New York after it adopted a French drag name.
0: God, that is a great time. Thank you. That was... That felt like lawyered. (laughs) Well, okay, here's the only thing I really have. Despite claims that LaCroix is completely natural and quote-unquote innocent... It in fact contains ingredients that are synthetic, and one might say toxic, as in toxic masculinity.
1: That was a reach.
0: <laughs> um, the other thing is that font. That font looks like papyrus, and papyrus is the straightest font.
1: Okay, that's it. I'll give that to that's you. That's all I got. I'll give
0: that to you. That's all I got. Why do we pick these?
1: All right. Uh, okay, let me hear from you if you think it should make the canon. Okay, okay, I'd say medium. And if it shouldn't.
0: I can't tell. (laughs) I'm going to say I made it in, Tobin. (gasps) Really? Congratulations. Thank you. You know what? I will take that win. Yeah, you take it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But you know what, Kath, while we're deciding on what makes it into the canon, something we've been talking a lot about lately is astrology.
0: I mean, not just us, everybody is Mm -hmm. talking about astrology. Mm -hmm. Okay, quick arguments for and against. Go.
1: Okay, I think astrology should make it into the canon because every single day I see some queer person on Twitter retweet an astrology meme with the caption, wow, me. (laughs) Okay. Do you have an against?
0: Uh, Okay, so for against, I would say I'm not still 100% sure what it is. Fair, fair. So, you know, I just, I don't know. Which is why we wanted to go a little deeper with one of the biggest names in the astrology world, Chani Nicholas.
1: If you are into astrology, you know Channy Nicholas. Her monthly horoscopes have more than one million monthly readers. Wow. She's been featured in The New Yorker, The New York Times, Rolling Stone, just to name a few. <sighs> And also, she's got a new book called You Were Born for This that's all about reading your birth chart.
0: And Chani is known for talking not just about, you know, what to look out for this month or how your career is going to change. She uses astrology to talk about topics like social justice and queerness.
1: So we got to interview her a little bit about how she got into being a professional astrologer. And also, she revealed one of her most shocking beliefs.
0: Shocking. Um, How did you get into astrology?
2: I uh, had a reading when I was 12. Me and my dad and my new stepmother and her two children all got like a family reading. So my second stepmom's mom was a Reiki master and was really into like alternative healing. And because I think we were a newly formed family unit, she was like, let me get you all something so you can kind of land in a way. And so, yeah, it was a gift from her. Mm. Yeah.
1: What do you remember about that first reading?
2: I just felt really seen for the first time in my life. I felt like someone looked down at a piece of paper and saw not only me, but she also helped me. Her name is Tina Katola. She helped me to see each of these people and I, I, I had a lot of different types of family units and no real family units at all. And so I was this like young kid who was trying to find my way. Like, do I belong to these people? Are you my mom? Like mm-hmm. I was always in that kind of situation. And so I didn't ever have a lot of reflection from the adults around me, which I think is really common. I think a lot of us feel unseen and unknown and so being 12 and being a really kind of serious, pensive, weird kid, um, this woman like looked at this piece of paper and she described me and how I function and how I work, especially emotionally. And then she described my stepsister and my dad. And, you know, of course, we're all different human beings and we all worked really differently. And so the distinguishing was so incredibly healing to me. Mm. It would have been the same, I think, if we would have gone to a therapist or to anybody who could have kind of contextualized the way we were different. I don't know. When you're a kid and you don't have that, you just really need someone to be like, oh, you're... This is the outline of you, and not that she told me who I was, but she just talked about the style in which I took in life, Mm. and like how I, you know, participated in it. And I just really needed it, and it was so true for me, and it really helped me to understand how and why my stepsister was so different than me. Um, And she had written a book, and then I I got the book, and I devoured it, Mm. and then that's been it. And then
0: you became an astrologer.
2: Is that, it? is that what happened? I really didn't want to be an astrologer. Wait, why no. not? Because it's like not a real job. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm the sorry, hell is being in, an astrologer? We introduced, we introduced you as an astrologer. astrologer. I know. <laughs> but like I grew up in, a, in like this really weird hippie town. And I don't know. Did anybody grow up in like a hippie commune out there? Yeah. What?
1: Yeah. Oh, really? We had a, yes? At
2: wave one. <laughs> Let's talk afterwards. Um, and so, like, there was no rules, and there was no, and, like, anything went, and nobody cared about anything, and we lived in shacks and up dirt roads and, like, barely any, like, like it was, like, wild, wild country. Is that the, mm-hmm. that? Oh, like, okay. yeah. I, I remember, like, that's very, I feel that. I'm, like, I yeah. got you. I feel it. I'm <laughs> I get it. Um, and we were just kind of, like, left to, like, roam around the countryside. So, I, like, tried to, like, go into the world and be, like, I'm going to be, like, a real person and part of society, even though I was always really alternative. Like, that's how I grew up. Anyways, being an astrologer felt so, 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 like, far out and niche that I was, like, who's going to talk to me? And, like, what am I going to say when I go to parties? Like, I think I wanted something that was more societally recognized. Mm. Now, this is also a long time ago, and I'm not a millennial. So, you know, it's, (laughs) like, I'm talking, like, 20 (laughs) years ago. So... It's different now. People know what astrologers are.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. Well, so then how did you push past the anxiety of this is not a real job to actually like pursuing it as a career? I
2: dropped out of three graduate programs. Fair enough. (laughs) Racked up a lot of debt. And was finally like, you know what, Channy? You might as well just give this. Try. (laughs) Nothing else is working out. You really tried. I did a lot of things. I did a lot of jobs. And even though I was like, I had like some talent for a lot of different things, I just never, nothing ever took. It was like, you know, when you're like in the thing, it starts to move and you're like, oh, this is, I guess this is my thing now. And you go and you do it. Nothing was working. Mm. And astrology was the only thing that kept being like, hey, bitch, you're going to like finally like... (laughs) I'm waiting. Um, so finally, after you know racking up the last ten thousand dollars in student loan debt that would never get me anywhere, I was like, "What if I just put all of this time and energy and money into my business?" And just was like, "Fuck it, I'll just can I swear all this yeah, much?" Absolutely. Okay, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Um, it was like stop trying to chase some like societally recognizable career and just like do what you know how to do and what people. Love what you do. You know, I just gave in finally. But I was really stubborn. And I, I, Hmm. you know, must have liked being miserable for a while.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so people think of astrology and they just think
2: about horoscopes. But how do you think about what you do? I think about it in terms of how throughout human history, we have up until very recently been very much in touch with the living world. And before we were indoctrinated with fantastic technology, which I love and use all the time and depend on, we were looking out to the sky and we were looking to fire and we were looking to water and we were looking to goats, (laughs) we were looking to each other. Like we were like, you know, in the dirt more, right? We were really connected with the living world. And part of that are systems of divination. There's thousands throughout all cultures of how you look at things. You look at the sky and you, there's systems where you learn how to read it. You look at like goat droppings, not to, I have a lot, I guess like a lot of goats, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but like you would look at like, the, or you like, they do like, like entry. I don't know. They, Cause they were listening to nature and they were trying to be like, well, if the Sun does that, and it correlates with this. Does this mean this? And they, you know, like all of our different cultures come from those kind of systems of knowledge, and just carrying through this like long lineage of mm. people that were like looking at nature and being like, "Is there meaning to that? And if so, what is it trying to say to me?" So I'm trying to be in conver- I'm in conversation with that stuff, which is weird. I don't know why it works. Also. Mm. It's not, I don't like believe in astrology. It just works. So I use it. <laughs> that's amazing.
0: Wait. Wait. Hold up. I just not come up in our research.
2: <laughs> He's saving it for you.
1: <laughs> what do you mean when you say you don't believe in astrology?
2: Well, I don't need to believe in it because it's something that's actually really functional and it, it does the thing that it did for me when I was 12 and I got that first reading. Mm. It helps people be seen. And that's all. That's what I'm after. If this is a tool for reflection that you can use and it's healing when you use it, then great. Yeah.
0: When you were figuring out your queer identity, did astrology figure into that at all?
2: <sighs> yeah, it did. It did. You know, I grew up in this really weird hippie town. It's called Nelson, British Columbia. Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Wow. wow. <laughs> anywhere, it's like one of those towns. Anywhere you go, like I'll be in the Himalayas. i something like, I know Nelson. Um, so I grew up with a lot of queers. And it wasn't like pronounced, but it, Nelson's a town of like, or historically, it's been a town of misfits. So if you didn't want to fight in the Vietnam War and you wanted a place to escape a lot of people went to canada mm. and nelson was like kind of a place where a lot of folks like that gathered or if you were queer and you couldn't get to a city that was you could also go there and exist so i just thought that was a normal in a way it was really normal for me and so in a way it wasn't really like a question and also my stepsister is queer and like i have a lot of queer we grew up like all of my stepmom's friends and business partner. So it was kind of just like, I always had this thought in the back of my head that was like, when I'm 60, I'll be with a woman. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I'll become Georgie O'Keefe and move to the <laughs> desert. <laughs> And instead of finding a young male photographer, I'll just find myself a lady. Um, I don't know. I thought I could be free of the patriarchy at 60 or something. I was like, I won't care anyways. So whatever. I'll just do that. And then I went traveling at 20 and realized I didn't have to wait. (laughs) Many women around the world helped me figure out. Aw. Yes. Forever grateful. So, uh, but yeah, there's stuff in my chart that's like, I mean, I, I actually put this on a, a story. I was reading this, like like this kind of uh, more traditional astrology book. And it's like one of the setups in my chart is like, lucky with ladies <laughs> 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 and lucky with the wife. My, my wife found it and was like, oh <laughs> Which is totally true. And my wife's name is on, like there's, you know, there, there's a, like 100,000 million asteroids and they, we've just like named them all these different random names. Sometimes random, sometimes about the person who found them. And so you can put those, bazillion little rock particles in your chart and see if they like land if like your name or your partner's name or the name of the city where you live or whatever falls anywhere important in your chart and so I was looking up at when we met I was like I wonder where Sonia is in my chart and I looked it up and it's on this part it's called the part of fortune which is literally like how you come into your fortune so her name is right on there and I would never have known that until we met and I actually looked for it and she really is my fortune. <laughs> Follow-up question. Yeah. Were
0: there anything that were, like, red flags
2: in her chart? Oh,
1: in your chart for each
0: in other. In her chart?
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, when we met, it was, like, this really full-on, like, wild, romantic, like, over-the-top, mm. very... Don't know what that's like. ...queer, lesbian. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it was very, very typical. And uh, see, so, yeah, I can sit back. Okay, um, <laughs> and I was so like taken by her. It's never happened before in human history, um, and <laughs> I and then I refused to give her a reading. She wanted me to. I, we weren't dating yet, and she was like, "Why do not you give me a reading?" And I was like, "I don't think that's a good idea. You should go to somebody else because I don't. You don't look at people's charts if I want to get to know them." And so then at the, she'd given it to me. So I was like having these experiences with her and I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then I glanced at her chart and just like snapshot. And it was like even too much for me. I was like, Oh, she's just like this with everybody.
0: Oh, <laughs> wow. She's wow. an incredibly
2: like charming. And uh, she's just like somebody you meet and you're like, Oh wow. This person means business and is also incredibly like She has a, she has one of those things, and I, its in her chart, and I was like, "Oh, well, that's just you." And then I was like, "She's just playing me," you know. It's just like a thing. It's just like an affect she has. And then realized it was more than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so cute. Yeah. But also, she was going through her Saturn return, so I was like, "Oh my fucking god!" Wait, what is that? Oh, sorry. Um, so, what, <laughs> who's who in the crowd's like twenty-seven? So you're all entering into your Saturn return. It lasts from about 27 to 30, okay. around, roughly. And it's one of those corners in your life where you come up against yourself as an individual and you have to really kind of either like push past the boundary and the expectations of parents or sorrows of childhood. You have to distinguish yourself as an individual. You can no longer lean back into whatever strings were attached with parents. It's a time to define yourself as an adult in a different kind of way. Also, you know, you're not going to be 22 forever and it's not cute. <laughs> it's not cute to be late so much or hung over so much you got to grow up. Mm-hmm. And Saturn's all about growing up. So anyways, I saw that in her chart and she was about to go through a gnarly Saturn return. And I was like, wow, we're going to be in for a ride. And and we were, and it was great. And it, But it was exactly what I, what I thought. Okay, another was. follow-up question. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just opening up a can of worms. Do you Not ever, that yours will be like that.
0: Do you ever feel like this is just like a superpower that you have? <laughs> like my mind is already blown.
2: <laughs> it's, it's a... It's not, a, it's not. It, I think it's a really, I mean, there's, your brain either works like that. I think you either he, talk to, it talks to you or not. It's kind of like, I cannot for the life of me do math.
0: Mm, yeah, I, I can do Same. math. Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
2: Like, no, no,
1: I can't to, do I'm
0: math. I'm very good at math. To me, that's a
2: superpower. It is
0: not a stereotype, it's just true. <laughs> uh, all right?
2: It is just true. Yeah. But it's a language. And yes. you understand it's language. That's what astrology is for me. It just like imprinted on me and then it was something that I did. And so I, f- I feel that people feel that, but I, I, it's like, I'm just reading, like I'm reading a piece of paper with writing on it. Yeah.
1: What do you think the cross section is of like, why why do queer people seem to gravitate towards astrology so much?
2: I think because if you don't see yourself reflected in the world and of course you know, representation is changing. But I think if you don't see yourself reflected in your family or in the world at large, and this system is a reflection, I think that's really alluring. I think mm. it's really satiating, even. Like, I was made the way I was supposed to be made this way. It's marked, it's there. I'm supposed to be this odd creature with all of these different, you know, paradoxes and i think that when you live inside of as we all most do inside of heteronormativity cisnormativity it's so deadening to the senses you know it's so limited it's so uncreative and i think all of us no matter where we are in the cross in our identity we're all craving to see more of humanity in a way, or we're afraid of it and we're pushing it away and doing awful things around it. But I think astrology gives you those million different variations of being a human Mm. and explanations for it. And it, it gives it context. And I think it holds it. So how much, however much shame you have around, I think however much shame we have around who we are and however that's compounded by family, by culture, by location, by city, by whatever, um, I think when you look at your chart and everyone, someone else goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you're that way. You're wearing a jean jacket. You're like, yeah, I am. <laughs> How do you know that? And, that's, and, that's, and that's, it's, true. that's exactly what you were given to wear. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. It's okay. Mm.
1: I love that. Well, Channy, it's been so lovely to talk oh to guys, you. It's been so much fun. Uh, everyone give it up for Channy Nicholas. Thank
2: you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: All right, Kath, what do you think now?
0: Astrology absolutely, absolutely makes it into the queer canon.
1: Also, uh, I think we should be ready for so many angry tweets that are like, (laughs) it was already in there, you idiots.
0: (laughs) It's not true until we say so clearly.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly.
0: Also, uh, I would argue let's add Chani in there too. Her as a whole being in the queer canon. In the
1: canon. Yeah. Uh, Also, if you're interested in learning more, Chani's new book is called You Were Born for This.
0: Okay, coming up after the break, another very sweet treat. We get to talk to comedian Joel Kim Booster about what it's like to be very hot.
1: And we're back. Uh, how you doing, Kath? Are you still comfy?
0: I mean, aside from the fact that we're, like, basically sharing a chair and a microphone in your closet and just very close to you. Yes. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good.
1: We're almost done, I promise. Okay, great. Uh, But first, something I think is definitely in the canon, for better or worse, hotness.
0: Yes. I mean, okay, first of all, facts. Mm -hmm. All queer people are hot. Therefore, hotness is just in the canon. Truth. And no one is more an icon of hotness then-comedian Joel Kim Booster.
1: So Joel has written for shows like Big Mouth and The Other Two, and he just finished acting on the first season of the sitcom, Sunnyside.
0: But I would say that both of us first got to know Joel as a stand-up comedian.
3: Worse, The flight attendant that was helping Aros, he was a male flight attendant who was both straight and rude. And I was like, oh, you can't do that. <laughs> like, if you're going to be a male flight attendant, you can either be gay and rude or straight and good at your job. You know, like you can't have every option available to you. It's just not fair, you know.
0: Like, Once again, facts.
1: Facts, facts. Uh, He's so funny. Very funny. So here now, our conversation with comedian Joel Kim Booster. So we're huge fans of your comedy. Thank you. And um, you talk a lot about yourself. You talk a lot about your, um, well, I mean, like. On and off stage, really. um, (laughs) Can't stop. (laughs) But one of the things um, you have recently started talking about is the fact that you are just like empirically hot. (laughs) Um, first question, when did you realize you were hot and what is it like to be hot? <laughs> um, you know, it's funny that like, this is, a, this
3: is like a, like my persona on stage is a stand-up. I've said it's like a hot idiot, which is like a fun world to sort of like play in as, as like a comedic POV. But it's interesting because... The reason I'm able to get away with going on stage and being like, I know it's like difficult to watch a comedian who looks like me because I'm so hot. Um, <laughs> and I think part of the reason that people laugh and, the, and, and don't immediately turn on me is because um, it's not true. Uh, and... <laughs> I mean, for many years in my be- the beginning of my career, I talked so much about my low self-esteem and how ugly I was and how undesirable I was and how um, that affected me in like, the dating market and stuff like that. And then you know, through like, therapy and just like, self-growth in general over the years, that started to change for me. But I was still doing those jokes and it sort of became this thing of like, well, oh, this is no longer honest. And Mm. why don't, and my comedy is so much about like taking things to the most hyperbolic place and even though like maybe the balance has only like shifted a little bit over to the I feel good about myself range I'm still going to take it to the I am amazing um, (laughs) sort of territory and that's sort of that explanation I've
0: seen your Instagram yes empirically hot
3: I don't and see the thing is though I don't think in society writ large that is something most people would agree with you about well they're Um, wrong (laughs) I agree. I mean, I agree with you. Uh, But I think that the only reason I'm able to get away with it, though, is because I don't think in society, like, I meet the markers of, like, an immediately, like, strikingly attractive
1: person. I mean, is it partly, I mean, and you've talked a little bit about this before, but is there something radical feeling about going out there as a gay Asian man and just being like, I'm hot, and we all know it.
3: Yes, I mean that's certainly a part of it. It's like it's. I'm doing a couple different things when I talk about it, but like it is certainly like I never saw Asian men growing up talk about themselves that way. And I I, and I think that's because in part humility is a big part of Eastern culture, Um, and it's not a part of Western culture. Um, So I'm sort of you know the melding of that, the amalgamation of those two things. But I am yeah, I think it's like important that we as a community sort of like stop thinking thinking of ourselves as less desirable just because other people say so. Mm. Um, but that's something that I've had to work out personally. Um, and so they're so lucky that they get to hear it in my standup and for free. Uh, just so many copays you're not paying um, to get there.
1: Okay, I have to ask this. This is a totally personal ask. Okay. I do follow you on Instagram. uh uh-huh. You posted an Instagram story once that I could not tell if it was ingest or if it was what you actually do. <laughs> <laughs> and it was post-workout, you said sometimes if you don't have enough protein, you will get a salad with uh, grilled chicken on it. You will take the chicken off of it, put it in a blender with room-temp water, blend it, and then drink it as a smoothie. Tobin? And I could not tell.
0: Oh,
1: no. Oh, no. Tobin, I did that
3: truly just before I came <gasps> here. Um, wow. I now do it, like, every day, honestly, because the thing is, is I don't... Um, I don't enjoy... Like, I tr- I'm i not, like, a food person. I don't enjoy the act of eating. Um, I need to eat a lot because I um, was blessed with a metabolism that will not quit. Um, <laughs> and... Um, And because of that, like, in order to, like, get big, like, I've been instructed to eat a certain amount. And, like, my body doesn't want to look like this. Um, My body does not want to have an ass. Like, um, it has fought me tooth and nail every step of the way um, in developing an ass. And um, so for me, like, I, I truly don't really care what food tastes like as long as it, like, sort of gets me there Like. Nutritionally, mm-hmm. and sometimes I'm like I'm a very busy person and I don't have time and I don't have I like I've truly sometimes I'm like so full and I'm like I can't eat anymore, so I will blend it. And now I've just taken now I've started to go and get like the veggies and the potatoes and the chicken and just put them all in the blender. Um, and literally, I can eat like 80 grams of protein, like nearly a thousand calories in truly 90 seconds. Um <laughs> And it just
1: it's just soup,
3: you know? Yeah. It's just soup.
1: You know what? Um, it is just soup. It is just wow. soup. Does it taste good?
3: I mean, it tastes whatever. You know, it yeah. tastes what it tastes like. It tastes like wow. the food that was in the blender. I'm not like a... <laughs> I'm not, like, a texture person either, so it doesn't bother me. Like, truly, if they made a pill that, w- that all I had to do was eat that pill every day and just not have to worry about anything mm. else, I would eat the pill in a second. I get
0: that. Today, I, today, like today
3: I ate—it ca- was a kale salad, mac and cheese, and chicken, and I just threw it all in the blender um, with a couple, of, a couple of cups of water and then glug, 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 and you're all done, you know?
0: All right, maybe we can stop talking about the blended food <laughs> to. Move on to. We, uh, we saw you in Tallahassee. Yeah,
3: so you guys did see me in Tallahassee? We
0: just, we just somehow ended up in the same place at the same time. That was
3: very strange.
0: Well, so we saw you do some of that, do you call that audience work?
3: You, uh, crowd work, yeah. Crowd is work. Is the technical term, I think.
0: <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, have people... Like, have people had weird reactions when you, when you call them out like that?
3: I'm doing one joke right now where I talk to couples. And sometimes, like, I ask wives to tell me a secret that they've never told their husband. Um, and I have gotten, mostly in southern states, a few women who are very – the, the wives get more angry at the, uh, at the idea that they'd have a secret. Um, oh. more so than the husbands do, because the whole point of the joke is that the, the man doesn't care, and I'm trying to see if he will. And they're like, "No, no, no, I don't. I would never. I would never. I would never have a secret." Um,
0: <laughs> oh my god,
3: and that I find very odd. But um, <laughs> but that's only happened like once or twice,
1: I think. Wait, so without giving away too many details, what's the craziest secret someone has whispered to you during that bit? Um,
3: one time a woman told me I cheated on all of my boyfriends um, except for my husband and he doesn't know that I cheated every single time before him and I was like this is heavy lady this is a comedy <laughs> show I was like this is um, I wow. guess you was, you fulfilled the assignment but also woof you know like
1: <laughs> Joel thank you so much for coming thank to you. talk to for us you. everyone give it up for Joel Kim Joel. this time! So, I would say our legs are cramping. We should get out of here.
0: <laughs> yes, but do not fret. We've got two more holiday gifts coming your way. So, watch this space.
1: Uh, but for now, you want to go eat? Should we get some food?
0: I feel like we always do that. So, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, I promise this food will be unblended. Oh, I can't do
0: this. <laughs> but, like, on the flip side, should we give it a try?
1: No, I refuse. <laughs>
0: All right, credits.
1: Our staff includes Zakia Gibbons and Jeremy Bloom.
0: Special thanks this week to Neil Dinesha, as well as John Cohn at KPCC.
1: I'm Tobin Lowe. I'm Kathy Too. And Nancy is a production of WNYC Studios.